And where we've been since uh, January 1st, we have looked at God's will. We have looked at trials that we encounter. We have looked at looking at trials from a different angle or a different perspective. We are reminded that God was near. God draws near to the brokenhearted. And then we, I encouraged us to keep on running no matter what the difficulties. And last week I talked about jars of clay. And then within the jars of clay is the gospel. And the gospel is central to the life of the believer. It is central to the life of the church and therefore it is important. And yet God uses ordinary people like you and me to reach people with the gospel message. We all have issues, we all have problems, we all have sin that we easily st cause us to stumble and fall. And when we ask God to forgive us of those sins, he free cleanses us and then we're able to move on with the gospel. Today I want to talk about confidence. I think it's biblical. And I think it's found in this text numerous times. In 1946, Joe Lewis fought Billy Kahn for the heavyweight title. Billy Kahn was known as the Pittsburgh Kid. And Joe Lewis's trainer said, you've got to be careful with Billy Kahn. He comes in fast. He does a series of punches. He's not a knockout fighter. He only had four knockouts in his whole career. But he comes in and he hits and he backs off real fast. He said, you've got to be ready for this. And you know what Joe Lewis said to his trainer? He said to his trainer, he can run, but he cannot hide. There was an air of confidence about this fight. Wait for it at the end, you'll see what happens. But there's an air of confidence there. So we look at today's text. Paul is telling us we are declared right with God. We are declared right with God, verse 1a. And we look at the word justified. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, therefore, uh, always in Scripture, most... Well, I'd say the vast majority of the times, uh, talks about what went before it. And we go back and we read, this is why, this is in uh, 422, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, talking about Abraham. But the words it counted to him, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but also for ours. So faith plays an integral part in this level of confidence. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I want to set the bar straight as we begin. Uh, the word justified, dikaio, it's a very important word. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses it many times, dikaio. It does mean simply declared righteous. It means declared righteous, dikaio. Robert Mounts, in his commentary, wrote this, those who have, been, who have placed their trust in Christ can rest assured, confidence, that their faith has been credited to them as righteousness. Romans 4.24, we just read that. Their confidence is based on the fact that Christ was put to death for their sins and raised again that they might be declared just. 
The whole issue of justification rests on the fact that Jesus Christ paid for your sin and mine. We do not get to the kingdom of God by being good. Please get that out of your thought process, even if you're a believer today. Your salvation is based on the justification, the decayo of Jesus Christ. That is the baseline for our salvation. But that word, that word, decayo, means much more than to be put right with God. It's deeper than that. If you look at the nuance of, of the word, it refers to the act of clearing someone of transgressions. To acquit, to set free, to remove guilt, and acquittal. This last one is the most important. It means that we have been acquitted of our sins at the foot of the cross. Jesus has washed that away by his death, his victory over the grave, and the resurrection, and now his ascension to the Father and at the right hand of, of God. So if you look at it this way, you're in a trial. You've heard me use this before. The prosecutor comes up and he talks to the jury, and he says, this is why this person should be uh, sent to jail because they did this horrific crime. Here's the evidence. And then the defense attorney, our friend, gets up and he goes to the jury and he goes, jury, let me, let me tell you this. All of this evidence over here is, 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 is not valid because of da-da-da-da-da. And then once the, once the defending uh, attorney presents his case, they go for closing arguments. The judge dismisses the jury to go into deliberations. Sometimes, the longer the deliberation, the more anxiety there is on the parts of those who are waiting. Sometimes if the jury comes back quick, it could mean that they reach the decision very fast and it probably is not in favor of the defendant. Not always, but, some, but a lot of times. So here you are, you are on trial. The jury walks in. It's all contained in this word justified. The jury walks in and the judge says, Foreman, have you reached a verdict? The foreman stands up and he says, we have reached a verdict, your honor. And the judge says, what is the verdict? We find the defendant not guilty. Now in our legal system, when you are found not guilty, which has to be all jurors, you are therefore acquitted of those charges. And you can never be tried again for the same charges. So when Jesus Christ, our defense attorney, went to the cross, he paid for our sins and they are no more. They cannot be held over us for the rest of our lives. Because why? Jesus Christ has paid for our sins. That is confidence. I can stand confidently knowing that I have been justified. And you've been justified. The coyote. And, yeah. Very, very, very important word. We're declared right with God, but the word justified means everything has been removed off of you. And that's what delivers a right standing with God. Let me say this. I hear this all the time. I heard it in the hospital this week. I'm a good person. I do good things. And, and, and there seems to be this scale. There seems to be the scale. Yeah, I know I mess up, but I'm, I'm a good person. 
And I, and I did this last week, and, and the scale seems to tip this way, but then I do this and it comes back. There seems to be a thought that the better you are, and if your good outweighs your bad, that you're going to get into heaven. If that is the case, why in the world would God subject his only son to the cross? Why would he do it? If, if, we, could get to, if we could get to heaven by, by following the, the, the scriptures and, and doing all this, why would God send Jesus Christ to the cross? The fact is, we can't. Because one sin is, is basically enough to send us to eternity separated from God. One sin. And so when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he justified us. And it's not that we did the justification. Christ did the justification. And if Christ did the justification, then I can stand confidently knowing that my sins are forgiven. Now what outflows from that is peace. What outflows from that is peace. Now listen to what Paul writes. Therefore, we have been justified by faith. Faith is the vehicle by which we get to the justification. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Arene. That's the Greek word for peace. Arene. And it means tranquility or freedom from worry. So if I'm not worried, then I'm confident. Worry is a product of somebody not sure about things. So here he says, we have peace with God. So what we understand here is a level of confidence. Now it depends on the context in which this word is used. It does mean tranquility, but it also means freedom from worry. If it's subjective in the, in the Greek language, it means to pursue the peace of God. It's it's not a fact. You pursue it. This is where a lot of Christians live wrongly, I believe, is that they are, they are set right at the foot of the cross, and yet they pursue thinking that they're somehow not quite good enough to be at peace in their lives, so they worry and they worry and they worry. I'm going to tell you about a woman in my first church. It was a free will Baptist church. They were great people. This woman, every Sunday, as I gave the invitation, I stood out, and every Sunday, that woman made her way down the aisle. Every Sunday. She would come up, and one Sunday, I just sat at the altar with her, just sat down, and, and I talked to her, and she said, Pastor Mike, I hope that I'm going to heaven. I said her name and I said, have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She says, yes, with all of my heart. I said, you are going to heaven. Your sins have been forgiven. And then I would have to remind her about that next week. Because she was trying to pursue the peace of God, a subjective peace. But what the Apostle Paul uses here is the objective sense. And the objective sense, it is a fact. It is a fact. You have peace with God. That war is over. You are no longer enemies of God. You are now friends of God. And there you stand 
in that position. It is fact-based. It is objective, not subjective, where you're constantly trying to think, Am I in, is, 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 is my relationship right with God? That's where I'm telling you, a lot of people live there, and they should not live there based on the Word of God. When Christ justified you, it was a one-time deal. You can only be saved as many times as Christ died. He died once. Now, if you're worried in your spiritual walk and you're worried about your salvation, that could be a good thing. But it can also be a bad thing when it becomes an, a, a continual worry spot in your life. I am telling you this. If you have trusted by Christ by faith, then I am telling you that everything that you've done that had a barrier with God has been removed by Jesus. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's what Paul is telling us. The, the outflow of that is we have peace with God. Let me give you two quick examples. Those who are constantly seeking, am I right, am I right, am I right, am I right? Peace is elusive. You know what this is. Tide comes in, washes peace out. You go back out and you ride in the sand and the water comes back. The fear, the doubt, the worry comes back and it washes it away. And you keep doing it and do it. And God's sitting there going, I love you. We're at peace. And like I said, that can be a good thing at times, but when it becomes an everyday way of life, Satan has a foothold. Because Satan doesn't want you to reach a level of tranquility. You see how peaceful this is? One of the things I love about camping, there's many things I love about camping, but waking up and sitting out early in the morning with, with a cup of coffee that has grounds in the bottom of it and you drink it, and just sitting there and looking over, it's a beautiful thing. It's just so tranquil. That's what God gives us when we are justified in Christ. You can't live in the realm of worry and fear. I think the scripture says perfect love cast out all fear. To be in the place of peace with God is, doesn't come by what we did, but it comes by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Sins are gone. Now, does that mean you're, you're going to live a, a sinless, perfect life? No. But what it does mean is that whatever, my, whatever I do in my life, I know one undeniable fact that I am his. And that gives me a sense of, of confidence. And he goes on to add something here that's often overlooked if, if you're reading scripture. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord, G, uh, Jesus Christ. He used the three main titles for Christ. Lord, ruler, Christ, or Jesus, his humanity, and Christ, his messiahship. All three of those are used. He uses the full spectrum to show that in every aspect of Jesus' life, you are right with God, and therefore, you're at peace. 
maybe not related to the salvation issue. And this is a side note, a footnote. If you lack peace in your life today, and you're worried about things, what I'm going to do is challenge you as your pastor to just submit that at the throne. Just say, God, this is going on in my life. I'm, I'm worried. And this is, again, a, a footnote. God, I'm, 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 I'm worried about this. I'm, I'm anxious about this. It, it's, it's really bothering me. Since God has already given us peace, just give that to him and ask him to take care of it for you. And he will. Rather than continually going up to the altar, up to the altar, up to the altar. I felt sorry for that woman. I really felt sorry for that woman. So, we are declared right with God. We are justified and we have peace. So enjoy his grace. So enjoy his grace. Some people think that you can't have fun as a Christian. They don't think Christians should be smiling, laughing. <laughs> okay. No. I, now, obviously, if you're living, and our Sunday school class will talk about that, but if you're living outside and you know you're not doing God's will, then maybe you should be troubled with that, and maybe you should get to a place of repentance. But we need to enjoy his grace more. We need to bask in that grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. We sang it this morning. Beautiful. But now he goes, and this is the now. So enjoy his grace now. Through him we have also obtained access by faith. This is a very loaded phrase. Again, the issue of confidence will come up. Obtained. It's the word echo. Echo. And it means to possess something. It means it is given. It, we possess this. It is ours. Now, we have something that is ours, but what is it? Prosagoge. Prosagoge. We have grasped in our hands access. It's ours. We own it. It's, it's given to us. And it literally means... Access means the right to approach someone. This verse you might remember. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then approach the throne of grace that we have confidence, that with confidence, with confidence, confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't do like the cowardly lion. We don't do that. No, the Bible says since we have access, it is ours, we own it, and it was given to us by Christ. We have it in our possession. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can go right into the presence of God. Sometimes when I 
When I pray, I picture God high and exalted, and I see myself just walking towards, and I say, Father, in the name of Christ, I give you this. You get that visualization. It really changes the way that you pray. And he says here that we can come with confidence. There is one thing, one thing that you will always find at the throne. I'm telling you this. There is one thing that you will find, grace. You will always find grace. It will never be absent from the throne of God. Grace is God's unmerited favor to you and me. We will always find that there. But there's also a storehouse of treasures that God has to give us. That's now. We have that now. Think of what you think of what's in that jar of clay now. He has given you the right and me the right to come to the throne room of God. That does not leave. How does this happen? Well, he says here again. Through him we have obtained access by pistis, faith. That means trust in God and Christ. Haris is the word grace in this text, and it refers to kindness. Martin Luther called it the friendly side of God. Martin Luther, the great Reformed theologian, called it the friendly side of God. There are people in this world who believe that God is on the throne angry all the time. Predominantly among unbelievers, yes. But even among believers. I've heard, I don't know. I don't know, God might be mad. When, when, when people say that, I migrate them back to the cross. That, brothers and sisters, is where the war ended between you and God. Now, if you have not been to the cross, if you've not been to the cross and have the war ended, then yeah, I could see where you would be in a place where you go, God might be angry with me. Listen, yes, Scripture talks about God's judgment. But you know what comes up more and more and more in the, in, about God? Is his love, his grace, his mercy, his care, his kindness. And yes, there's a day set aside. I don't want to make it sound like an uh, all-sided, one, one-sided. But I want to tell you this. That there is a day that God will judge the world. They will judge the world because they didn't go to the foot of the cross. And those people, unfortunately, who did that will spend eternity separated from God in hell. That's a fact. But as believers, we have the opportunity to pull them away from that and push them towards the cross so that they may find grace and mercy and the kindness of God. I haven't really researched or looked at it, but I might do it after the sermon now. How many places in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, where God is angry at us? I've studied the Bible a little bit. And I don't remember a lot of times that's mentioned. But what I find is, 
uh, in John's writings, God is love, and in him there is no darkness. God's eyes are over the righteous. God is faithful, even when we are not. I don't want to picture God as some, you know, all love and no law and what's going to happen. But the idea that a believer lives in fear of God is outside the realm of God's will. I refuse to believe that. What I believe is that you should bask in his grace. Maybe just like Charles Stanley. I don't know if you ever heard that story about Charles Stanley. He just felt like something wasn't right in his life. They got away with three or four other preachers to a cabin, and they were sitting around a table, and Charles Stanley said, I just don't feel, I feel like something's wrong, and I'm anxious, and, I'm, and, I'm, and this one, they went around the room, they, they, they gave ideas, and one pastor looked at Charles Stanley, and he said, Charles, have you ever just felt God loving you? And the story goes that Charles Stanley broke down in tears. And he said, no, I haven't. I want to encourage you to let God love you. Let God love you. Because if you're a child of God, he, you do love him. Think about your children. Your children and my children do all kinds of dumb things. But that doesn't mean that we don't love them. Yeah, we might discipline them, usually with the belt or something else. And I could be arrested nowadays, but... Um, yeah, you, you, you spank the child. God disciplines us. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. Of course we don't live a sin-free life. And I'm not saying that. You're going to stumble and fall. But because you're a child of God, he'll discipline you, but still love you. Sometimes we need that discipline. But ultimately here today, what I want to tell you is just let God love you. Maybe you need to go home and say, God, I haven't felt your love in a long time and I just need to feel it. Oh, <laughs> I know this is the rather lengthy portion of the sermon, but through him we have attained access by faith into the grace, the, the, the Horus, the kindness of God, which we stand. Do you catch that? It's not that we're moving. We're not moving around to try to find this, this grace of God. You, you, did you see that? This, this, is a, this is a great picture for this. You ain't moving it. It's not going anywhere. You're, that boulder is standing in your life, and it should give you a sense of confidence. It is firmly rooted. You have this grace of God. It should, be fir it should be firmly rooted in your heart. That way, you can share the love of God. Because you know, oh, no, 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 no. I know who saved me, and I know who I have believed and he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. I, I am firmly fixed in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Do I personally live it 100% all the time? If I said that, I'd start looking around for the lightning bolt. Because I do not. But I can tell you one thing. I stand in grace and nothing is going to move that. Nothing. What happens to it? Just think, think, think about this with me. What happens to a child of God 
when they understand that their sins have been forgiven, that they have experienced God's love, and now that they are standing in God's grace, what, what, what happens? Right? I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Funny. It's funny now how the Apostle Paul puts that right in after this. This is amazing. Watch this. The future, although you could say future slash now, the Apostle Paul has this theological scheme in his writings, which is God, where you're in the, the now, but not yet. You're living between two worlds. I think I preached a sermon on this a while back. Between two worlds. Already, but not yet. You see that? This is where I am now. I'm going to be there, but I'm not there yet. He does it here again. Subtly, but he does it. Now, after he's just told us to stand in the grace. Now, he's just said that. In the grace in which we stand. What is the next thing that comes off the Apostle Paul's pen? And we rejoice. Yes, we rejoice. Now, this word fools people. It fooled me because I was thinking, oh, happy, joy, jump up and down. I'm going to you know, sing. And I'm, well, you really don't want me to sing. We've been through that. But kalhaomai. Um, kalhaomai. It means, this word rejoice means to boast. To boast. What the word literally means from the translation. To express. Catch this. Catch it please. I've been talking about this word. If there's one word in this whole sermon. It's confidence. Listen to this. To express an unusually high degree of confidence. I am going to boast in my salvation about what Christ did for me. I am confident. Oh, I started this sermon with Joe Lewis and Billy Kahn. I think it weighed out when he said he can run, but he can't hide. There goes Billy Kahn on the canvas. Same fight. Joe Lewis beat him. But he had a confidence. You don't go into the ring. I don't know if, he, if I'm going to beat this guy. He just went in and said, I'm going to win. I know it. I know he's fast, but he can't hide. I'm going to get him. And he did. There are some things that we need to knock out in our lives. Let me give you a few things. We need to knock out the idea that we're not right with God. Unless you're not right with God and you've never trusted in Christ. But you need to knock that out of your thinking. 
If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, I am telling you as his minister who will stand before God and give an account of my preaching, I am telling you that you are right with God if you've trusted in Jesus Christ and it was real. Knock it out. Don't let Satan go, you're not right with God. You need to knock that out. You need to get rid of it. You need to stand. You know, I really miss Tawana. She was so great at this, just standing praying. I, I, I loved how she did that. She had an air of confidence about her. That's the way we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to live. We don't live defeated. We might lose a battle, uh, you know, a battle every once in a while. We're not going to lose the war. I tell you why. Because God is coming back in person of Jesus Christ, and he's taking care of things. I have confidence in that. Therefore, I need to knock out anything that Satan wants to bring to me and say, you're not right with God. There's something wrong in your life. No, no. I can just go back and say, bam, you're done. We need to knock it out. I like that picture because Joe Lewis said at the beginning of the fight, He's going to run, but he can't hide. I'm going to get him. Billy Kahn's problem, the Pittsburgh kid, was he, he, when he threw punches, it didn't really hurt people. Scored points, but it wasn't like the, the Mike Tyson type punches. We need to knock fear out of our lives. We do not live in fear as believers in Christ. I want you to understand something today. God loves you. He sent Christ to die on a cross for you. If that is not the greatest expression of love, I have no idea what is. When Satan comes to you and tempts you to be afraid, just say, you know what? <clears throat> You're done. I'm not listening to it because I stand now in the grace of God. We need to knock out a bad view of God. God is not angry with the believer. We may disappoint God at times, but God loves us in spite of that. Look at the nation of Israel. And I know that's like some of our lives too. But God loves us. He uses the word here, hope. We rejoice in the hope of the glory, the doxa of God. The glory, the majesty, the splendor of God. LPs. LPs. It means to look. I'm not making this stuff up. It's right in the Greek, the Greek grammar. Uh, I, 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 I just said, it was like God was saying, confidence, confidence, confidence. That's what he was hitting me with all week. I just said that kaholomai uh, means to, with a high degree of confidence. El peace, to look forward with confidence. To look forward with confidence. That's where we live our Christian lives, is we confidently know that God is going to be at the end of the journey. Boa and Grudenayer. In their commentary wrote this, every human being was created to be walk, a walking billboard, a living display of the glory of God. I believe that. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you're standing calm, confidently in that, not cocky, confidently 
in the fact that Christ paid for your sins, that that's all done away, and now I can go out and share what's in the, the jars of, of clay. Like a neon sign deprived of glowing gas, the human frame, apart from God, stands lifeless and unanimated, displaying nothing except clothes for business, look of an abandoned storefront. Dr. Windsor told me a long time ago, I remembered it, this was darn near 30 years ago. When you walk in the pulpit, make sure you believe your sermon or the people won't. I believe in all, every fiber of my being that when you trust in Christ, you are justified. The war is over. We then live our lives in the bask of God's grace. And in that grace, we love him. And as we love him, we want to live for him. In which we reflect the glory of God to others around us. To where they can see, wow, look at that person. Not a person that is living in fear, that is trembling. That's not what God wants. That's what Satan wants. Satan wants you to be so stuck at the cross that you can't advance and become more like him every day. By the way, that's the goal of the Christian life. And they're right. Bo and Gerd and I are, are right. Every human being was created to be a walking billboard, a living display of God's glory. Could you imagine a door-to-door -door salesman Yes? I'm not sure if this product works. No. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you of his glory and his goodness and his love. That's how we live our lives. And the hope is confidence. I love this. It came, I didn't do anything. There's no magic tricks, no nothing. It just came right out in the, in the text. High degree of confidence. So this is what I want to tell you today. Be, be confident. Now, if you've never been to the foot of the cross, you need to do that. Come to the foot of the cross so that you can be justified, forgiven of your sin, justified in Christ, so that you can get to where the rest of us are. Basking in God's grace. It is all right, and I give you permission to enjoy the grace that God has given you.